What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello and welcome to a Wednesday evening edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, which is actually called, on Wednesday, Jonathan Taylor Thomas Talks Major League Baseball. John, good evening, how are you? I am doing okay on this absolutely wacky Wednesday. I go to work and the world burns, as we were just discussing. Uh, I, I don't even know what tomorrow holds, like I don't even know how to... I don't think I don't think anyone does with this race. Right. Like I do, I feel like I'm just going to go to bed tonight and tomorrow is just a sports are all canceled. I, I I have no idea. I, I just I have no idea what to expect day to day. Um but in terms of baseball stuff, like the stuff that's happening right now, let's let's check in quickly on uh my Atlanta Braves and your Boston Red Sox. How are you feeling about the Baltimore Orioles still being like four games up on your Red Sox? Eh, who cares at this point? Like, this Red Sox season is just... They, they very clearly gave up before it even started, so really, what does it matter at this point? Are you still watching at this rate, if you're a Red... No. At this <laughs> rate, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're, you're basically... No, of course not. No, I'm not going to be watching any of those games. Um, at this rate, for Red Sox fans, you just you just want them to be bad, because at least they'll, they'll get a, a, a good draft pick out of it. I don't know if they're going to be worse than the Pirates going forward, because the Pirates are really exceptionally terrible. But if nothing else, like you might as like if that's the thing with with as much as I hate tanking and rebuilding, if you're gonna do it, like Mike Armand Trout says, no half measures. You've got to go all the way. And so they might as well lose as much as they can going forward. They might as well trade down everything that's not nailed down. That's not going to be of any use in 2021. Everything I shouldn't say everything, but you know what I mean. Like you know they already traded Brandon Workman and, and Heath Hembree. You might as well move Mitch Moreland. You might as well move. You know, see if you can move Nate Yavaldi. You might as well see if you can move, you know, whoever. Whatever semi-useful veteran is on that team that another team would want, trade them. There's no point, you know? Th- th- this isn't magically going to get better, and there's no way they're going to be able to improve enough either through trades or, I guess that's really it, to, to make any difference. And there are no prospects coming who are going to fix stuff in the, in the near future. So you might as well go hard on the, re- on the rebuild at this point. And happier news. The Braves are good. They just won both games against the New York Yankees today. Ian Anderson, the first Braves uh, young pitcher since uh, Frieden Soroka to actually be good. So that's nice. Uh, the, the post Sean Newcomb, uh, Fulton Nevich, uh, Kyle Wright, 
Um, who am I missing here? Which who's the latest? Bryce Wilson, um, just this random white guy the race draft in the last five years in the first round. Um, just a multiple multiple names. But guess what? Ian Anderson, actually good. A little concerning though that I thought about when I was watching him today. Uh, do you know who was also number forty eight and was a ace for the Braves in the last ten years? Uh, Julio Tehran. Uh, no, he was forty nine. Okay. Wow. How? No, how did I know to some like degree that Julio Tehran wore a number <laughs> in the high four? I have no idea. Uh, Steve Avery? No, Tommy Hansen. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, ooh. Uh, not good. I forgot about that. that but just brutal. But um, yeah, yeah, Ian Anderson's great, and ooh, uh, okay. Austin Riley still really sucks. He sucks in the field. He sucks at third. Camargo sucks. I, I hate that I was excited about reading, um, I think it was Passon who pitched Kyle Seeger to the Braves. And I'm like, huge upgrade. Do it. That's how bad their base is. And Austin Riley, I hate that I was right about this, but Austin Riley sucks. They should have moved off. Like, remember when he was, like, untradeable a year and a half ago? Where they were like, mm, gotta see what happens here. Love uh, some Austin Riley. He is almost untouchable in trades for a top uh, starter. What? Now the Braves need a starter, and Austin Riley has no value. He's just terrible. You know what's funny is looking at this Braves lineup because I haven't really took taken a much of a look at their their lineup and their stats of, of late. Um, no one on this team walks except for Freeman, Azuna, and sometimes Acuna. Everyone on this team, like you mentioned, Austin Riley has twenty five strikeouts against six walks. <laughs> you know, Danby Danby Swanson is having a great year. Has 33 strikeouts against well, four that's his walks. MO. Travis Darno has 19 strikeouts against three walks. Yeah, and I get that sense because I mean, he's still, you know, he's still succeeding despite that, although that would seem to suggest that there's some kind of regression coming. But again, it's, we're only at like 25 games left. But regardless, it's, I mean, this Braves, the, the lucky thing for this Braves team is that the rest of the NL East is pretty bad. The, the Mets are all clearly even. do not have a the Mets clearly do not have enough pitching to, to be anything more than just kind of a, at best, maybe they sneak in as the NL's eighth seed. The Marlins are impressively upstart, but I don't, I really doubt that the thing that continues much longer. They just, they don't have enough depth and it's just being tested every day. The Phillies, their, their bullpen is maybe the worst of any pitching situation in the majors. And then the, the nationals have just built, have dug themselves again, such an enormously deep hole, and now they don't have Steven Strasburg to help get them out of it. I mean, I don't. I mean, that's. I don't know. Like, I, I understand what you're saying about the Braves. They're they're not a they're a good team, but they're nothing more than that. And you look at their record; they're 16 and 12, which is bang on for their Pythagorean record. So they're not. Un, they're neither underperforming nor over nor overperforming by that metric. Interestingly enough, but at the same time, that that doesn't really suggest that there's another gear for this team. You know, if there is, maybe it's getting more out of those guys like you mentioned, like Camargo and Riley, and well, I would say Andrew and Ciarte, but I think the, the book is pretty well written on that one. Um, and maybe it's guys like Ian Anderson coming up and and being able to surprise and perform up to their pedigree. But at the same time, I like you said, I don't know how realistic it is to expect Austin Riley all of a sudden to figure out major league hitting when he when we have some three to four hundred plate appearances to suggest he We're doesn't know what he's now. doing. You know, and like granted, like that's that is too few plate appearances to write a guy off. But at the same time, like he he's not showing you like like you said, like all of his success has come in like one or two week bursts, including when he got called up 
And otherwise, it's been long, long stretches of him not knowing what he's doing, which suggests less that he's figuring stuff out and more that every now and then he kind of just gets hot or he runs into a team that pitches him poorly or he runs into a team that just has bad pitching overall and he can make take advantage of some mistakes. Or maybe he just he just gets hot because he just happens to feel good that week, you know. But you know, I, I guess miss? that's the thing with the Braves. And who do you miss? Yasiel Puig, because uh, Matt Adams also really sucks. Which is funny because he's hitting well. He or no? Oh wait, no, no, he's no, he oh is God, not. I was, looking, I was, I was looking say, absolutely not. Wrong, <laughs> oh no, I was looking at completely the wrong stat line. My goodness. And yeah, like obviously, if when Albies comes off the injured list, that should help too. But I the, the thing so. is, I know mean, we talked about gone. this before. That wrist stuff. Well, and, and I know that I, we, I don't like we it. talked about this before. The the thing with the thing with wrist injuries is even when a guy is quote unquote healthy, he's not healthy. Those right. take a lot of time to get over. They ruin seasons. They ruin careers. And hopefully that's not the case for Albies. But I, I guess I just I look at this Braves team, and I know you you've expressed this before, and you watch them way more than I do. I don't really see where. I, I don't see how they move on beyond like the how many rounds of the playoffs now are there with this cockamamie expanded format like i really don't know regardless they're they're not they don't they're not a pennant winner they're certainly not a world series contender right now and i think we talked before like this is a team like at the deadline where what do they do you know they don't have the pieces necessarily to get an ace and i don't really think they're going to be too many aces i mean bauer is probably the best any team can do which is not bad i mean i'd be happy with bauer but I mean, do the Braves have do the are uh, better said? Do the then do the Braves have the pieces to get them? Because they do. I mean, they have a very good farm system yes. and a lot of good young pitching that the Reds would certainly be interested in. More important is, would the Braves be willing to pay the price that the Reds are going to ask? Especially considering that there are going to be half a dozen other teams theoretically in on Bauer. The other interesting thing is they have to prioritize, especially, especially knowing, especially knowing that Bauer is guaranteed going to free agency. He He's will not find himself, an isn't he? I believe he has an agent, but his whole deal is he wants to take one-year deals for the rest of his career. Yeah. So you're you're not not only is he guaranteed going to free agency, but you're going to have a really hard time selling him and coming back because he's just all about maximizing his earning potential. Which by all means he can he can do that if he wants to. That's his right, and good God bless him for it. But it definitely does put a team that's acquiring him in a weird situation where it's like, how much do we give up for a guy we know not only that we know is a goner, but also that we have a very low chance of resigning. You know. And if that's the Braves, a team that's that's already shown a real reluctance to parting with, you know, prospects or impact young players, I don't know. I, I I just struggle to see how this team can get in get more, get more of what it needs enough to be on the level of say the Dodgers or the Cubs right now. Or even really the Padres, who I think would, are, if you put these two teams next to each other, I think the Padres are probably a better team at this point. That's fair. I would agree with that, probably. Um, I also think they have to make a big decision. Alex Anthopoulos has to make a big decision whether or not he is going to prioritize the offense and just double down on what their strength is and bet on the bullpen and just say, hey, our starters, we're just going to be weak. We still have Reed. Maybe Ian Anderson's good. Maybe we have Hamels for the playoffs, whatever. Um, just bite the bullet there and just emphasize what they can do at third or one of the outfield spots and maybe even the DH spot. Um, or you trade that prospect capital for a Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn type. And I, I could understand both sides of that. And I'm not sure what I would do if I was in Doppos. I think this is yeah, a tough and, question. And I think the one you brought up, your side of it is interesting too, because you're right. Like this is a team that has at least one 
ace-level starter in Max Reed right now. They have guys like, you know, if Ian Anderson is, is someone who can help them, or if, you know, they feel confident enough in throwing Robbie Erlin out there, or if, if someone like Hamels can get healthy in time, to give them three to four inning stints in the postseason, go through a lineup just two times, and then let a bullpen with like 15 different guys in it, all of whom are pitching well, let them do the heavy lifting. On the one hand, especially now with, with the way the postseason has been expanded, you are po- you are like risking some serious burnout on the part of the, of that bullpen. Um, again, unfortunately, because I just really it, it, because of when it happened and because of how few details were available at the time, and then I just never got back around to it. I don't recall exactly what this new format is going to be in terms of games, in terms of rounds, in terms of the off days. To get a better sense of like, hey, is a bullpen reliant team going to have a hard time with this postseason? But regardless of like how much time off there is and how many rounds there are, like. Leaning on a bullpen the entire way through the postseason is hard. If you only have one guy you really feel confident in being able to get through a lineup three times or even go six innings, whichever comes first, and the rest of your rotation is not even five and fly, like three and pray, basically, you know, you're asking a lot from your relievers. And you're also asking a lot from your offense that will be facing, even with expanded playoffs, and even with worse teams making it in, elite starting pitching and elite relief pitching every single night. And, you know, maybe maybe it would cost less for the Braves to, like you said, upgrade at, at third base from Riley to, I mean, anyone would qualify as an upgrade, or to get a better solution at second base than Camargo, or to, you know, maybe add yet another reliever who can kind of take some of the weight off the better relievers over the rest of the season if you feel like the NL East is pretty safely in hand. And I think that there's really no way the Braves finish any worse than second in that division. But... I mean, that's the thing. You're right. There's, there is no like good answer there, quote unquote. There's no right answer. I don't think it's just, do you prioritize getting one more starting pitcher who's, you know, can give you a decent one and two punch. So you feel better about those games and don't have to lean on that bullpen so much. Or do you kind of work around the margins knowing that your odds aren't that great in the first place and you don't want to spend the capital and you think that a better offense and a complete bullpen might be enough. And I don't know. No one knows the answer to that. We're not going to know the answer to that even even when the playoffs are done because we're never going to know exactly what options the Braves had and then didn't chose or didn't choose. But I don't know. It, I, I think it's also probably tempting for Braves ownership and, and the front office to say, this is a really weird season. We may not even get through the postseason. Um, there's, a, there's a super level Dodgers team atop the National League that is going to be very difficult to beat in any kind of series. Maybe this is the time for caution, you know? with an eye toward 2021 Soroka will be back. Um, some of these younger pitchers will have some more time to develop. You know, we can do maybe do. I know this is laughable. I know you're going to laugh at it. Maybe we can do something in free agency and add a little help. Oh, 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 yeah. I know. Wouldn't it be I nice, it. John? Wouldn't it be nice Would- if that was a priority <laughs> for the Atlanta Braves? Uh, wouldn't it be nice if they prioritize spending money in free agency to, keep them out of situations where they're down to Ian Anderson and uh, Max Freed and their rotation. Wouldn't it be nice if they didn't just bank on Johan Camargo and Austin Riley to just be close to what Josh Donaldson was for them last year? Wouldn't it be nice? But uh, that is not the world we live in. So go ahead and cancel that one off, sir. <laughs> Regardless, I, I can, I think there is, you could see an R- argument and I, mean, I don't know if it's an argument i agree with argument that could theoretically exist 
on the part of Braves ownership and their front office that it's like, this is not the year to go for it for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe, maybe that was the decision made when Soroka went down because that's legitimate. I think we said it at the time, it's like one of four or five players, this team just could not lose for in any real sense of the imagination. Like, a, a brave a, a championship trophy, the the commissioner's trophy, making its way to Atlanta, had to like that was it had to involve a healthy Mike Soroka. Um, I feel like and maybe the Braves will prove us all wrong, but regardless, like it, I think it is a tough choice. And if I'm the Braves, I don't know what I do, but something tells me they're probably going to go for the option that that requires a smaller cost in terms of prospects and money, because it's that's what they've done, and there's no real reason to think. They're going to change their mind in a situation where there is even more risk and even an even higher likelihood that things go wrong than a usual baseball season. Yeah. And happier news. The Chicago White Sox have won 8 of 10 Lucas Giolito through the first no-hitter of the, uh, what do we call this era? The... Uh, what do you want to call this season? The the shortened season? I, I don't know what to call this. What is the the branding for this? The the because just it's not the twenty twenty the Corona season. The who Corona who season, I guess. Before. Yeah, the Corona season. It's, it's, whatever whatever gets whatever gets picked, it's bleak. So yes. whatever it is, it's depressing. Um, what do you think of the Chicago White Sox? I mean, they'll make the playoffs because I mean, in part because they get to play in the Central, which is just a terrible division. And they, which means they get to face, you know, the the Royals and the Tigers a lot. I don't know how many games they have left against those teams, but actually I can check because I can just look at their schedule. Haha, how fancy. Um, but that is part of it. You know, they do get to play in the Central. They do get to play weaker teams. And even though they do have to face, you know, Cleveland and Minnesota. And actually, here's, here's something interesting. They still have uh, seven games left this season. Of however much of their season is left, they've played 30 games so far. So they got 30 to go. Seven of those 30 games will be against the Twins. So that's going to be really, really. They they played the Twins in that opening series where every side gave up like 18 million runs, and they haven't played them since. So that series right there, depending on what happens with Cleveland, obviously too, is probably going to determine what direction the AL Central goes. But either way, like they should be good enough to make the playoffs. There's just not that much competition in the American League at this point. You know, beyond you know the, the beyond the top two teams in every division. Who else is really there? I mean, like, tech, Seattle, the Angels have been awful. The Mariners are not good. The Rangers have been very mediocre. The Red Sox, as we've talked about, are just a, a dead embarrassment. The Royals and the Tigers, I know the Tigers have been not bad this season, but I don't think there's any real reason to expect them to be a postseason team. You know, the only other real contenders that the White Sox face in terms of that, um, in terms of that kind of, like, assuming they don't finish in the top two of the Central and that kind of, the the last two teams in you're talking maybe toronto which is pretty up in the air and who else there's just not there's just not enough competition i think for them to lose out on a playoff spot unless they completely fall apart going forward remind so me of the, 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 the amazing meme that i saw it's like a they screen capped a uh uh some sort of porno and it's this one girl grabs this other girl and it's uh mlb fans is like one side and the other side is like a padres orioles world series covid world series and it's just it's so funny like you're you're gonna get oh, this is it the, one, is it the is it the is it the milk bottle meme yes 
Okay, I know what you're talking right, I think I've seen that one. I know what you're okay. talking about. It cracked me up. Um, I was just thinking about that. That would be the most COVID thing ever. It's just we get the, the Orioles make the playoffs somehow, and we get a Padres-Orioles World we get Series. A, we get a, well, that's a real 1980s World Series there. I like it. Yeah, everybody um, wants it. You're right. Manfred couldn't be happier. That's what we're all pining and, for. I mean, the thing you like with the White Sox is their lineup is doing pretty well. I mean, the one the, the big sore spots are Grandal's been pretty average, and Encarnacion's been bad, and Nomar Mazzara just is not a, really a thing, and I didn't really understand that deal for the White Sox at the time, and I still don't. But, you know, you have to hope Encarnacion can get it going a little. He's, he's ancient, but at the same time, he's shown he's better than this. Grandal, hopefully... Can get a, I mean, that's the thing. You you expect a certain level of performance for a guy like Yasmani Grandal where you just imagine he'll be better. And then, honestly, I feel pretty good about a top three of Giolito, Keiko, and Cease right now. Maybe less so about Cease because his peripherals are terrifying. But you could do worse than that. You could do a whole lot worse. And Chicago, too, is a team where they could they maybe can find a way to pick up. It doesn't. The thing is for them, it doesn't need to be a Trevor Bauer, and it doesn't need or it doesn't need to be a Lance Lynn. It's something closer to a middle tier starter, maybe kind of below that Keuchel tier, but not too far below, who can give them a little bit of insurance as a guy who can, you know, you can you can feel a little more comfortable with them in game three of a series as opposed to Dylan Cease or getting three or four innings out of Gio Gonzalez or trying to trust Reynaldo Lopez. You know, that's a team where it feels like the upgrades for them, they're there, there are a few places they could stand to upgrade. You know, they have to figure out what, what the deals with Encarnacion, but either way, they have a they have a decent amount of offense to, to get through that, and they have Nick Madrigal coming back at some point. But the the upgrades that are needed, you would say, be middle rotation starter, maybe back rotation starter, depending on how you feel, and probably like one more reliever, maybe two, and that's doable. Not only is that doable, that should not cost that much. So and, and the White Sox have a good farm system anyway that can absorb whatever it is needed to make those things happen. So if, if you're the White Sox, you're probably feeling pretty good not only about where you are and not only about the real lack of competition you face in terms of what's basically a guaranteed playoff spot at this point, but also the fact that if you look at your team, yeah, there's some places where you could do better, but it shouldn't cost that much to fix those problems. And if there's a decent enough seller's market, you should be able to get what you need without too much effort. Yeah, I, the AL Central, the top of it is just suddenly very appetizing. Like the Indians, the White Sox, and the Twins are all just solid. Like who had the AL Central being the best top heavy of all the divisions in the AL this year? It's funny too, because it's also the only division that has any real drama. Not any real drama, because it seems like now the Yankees and the Rays are going to be, the next, they got to spend the whole back half of the season jousting for the AL East. But other than that, like, what real drama kind of is there for the other for the other divisions? You know, the Cubs are running away with the Central. The Dodgers are running away with the West. The Braves are the best team in a very flawed East. The A's are the best team in a very flawed West. Like, it's really just the AL East and the AL Central, and only the AL Central has three teams that you can conce- like you said that could conceivably finish number one, as opposed to the AL East, where it's it's just going to be one of the Yankees or the Rays, and no matter which of them finishes second, they'll make the playoffs too. And again, like I, I, the same is probably true of all three AL Central teams between Cleveland, uh, Chicago, and Minnesota. All three of them should make the playoffs. You know, two of them will, and the third team probably still should. But there is a little more drama there in terms, especially in terms of seeding, depending on exactly how that works. Like, if possible, you probably would prefer finishing. I mean, obviously first, but definitely second as opposed to third. 
So there will be a little fight there too, I imagine. Yeah, I'm excited about it because I think it's going to be going to be interesting. Um, last thing, and we have to go. The Angels are are really, really fucking bad. The oh, wheels boy. have fallen off. This is ten and twenty two now. Like, dear God, Billy Epler, yep. happy trails, my man. Like this yep. is this he is, is over. Done. done, 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 done. I. It is the crime of our baseball lifetimes that the best player in the universe is stuck on this franchise. He is playing on the it worst is, team maybe in the AL this year. How is that possible? Ooh, let's, let's not let's not give the Red Sox too much rope. Well, hold there. on. The Red Sox, but, you can't you can't replace that kind of grit you have up there. Boy, this I mean that's the thing. Beyond and I, I should have mentioned too is a guy who might be available might be should be available um and as part of that st- starting pitching tier of alongside uh Bauer and Lynn is Dylan Bundy. But he's the only thing that's gone right for them pitching wise. They have a few relievers who are doing okay, but for the most part, it's a mess. And aside from Trout, Rendon, and David Fletcher, no one is hitting. Oh, and Brian and Tommy Lestella and Brian Goodwin. But that's that's not the core of a winning team. Is Tommy Lestella and Brian Goodwin and David Fletcher? Those are the guys who help take a good a team from good to great because of their good seasons. But you're not going to win shit if they're your best players in a season. I did not realize this. Justin Upton has an OPS plus of six. That was a great call from Dan Sombrowski. Boy, life life really came at him way fast. And there's just so many things here where it's like, there's no reason to expect Albert Pujols to be better than what he currently is. He, is. he has very clearly been running on fumes for the last four years of his career. Upton, in a, in a similar vein, clearly has not fully, is not, I don't know if it's an injury thing, but last year was not some fluke based purely on injury. It was clearly the first year of what's been a very, like, Andrew Jones level decline. Joe Adele, for as awesome as a prospect he is, is clearly not figuratively pitching. He has 25 strikeouts and 64 plate appearances against four walks. Otani, I think, is the biggest disappointment, but I am willing, I I do wonder how much of that is, how this separated, this shortened season affected his ability to prepare for both of the roles he does, how his injury, um, you know, while he was pitching affects his ability to hit. There's a lot of interrelated stuff that I just don't think we're going to know the answer to that I imagine has some impact. I don't think this is suddenly Major League pitchers figured out Shohei Otani, like with all of, you know, 300 plate appearances to do so. But I know they they, they got Anderson Simmons back and he should make a difference, but it's too late, you know? No, it's over. And, and there's like, no it's, real, it's too late. And there's, and there's no reason to expect, like I was saying, the pieces that they have are not suddenly going to get better in time for them to go on this incredible run. What you have with the Angels is, and this sounds regress or recursive, I know, but it's what you got, you know. So at this point, you're like the Red Sox. You're moving, you're moving Bundy if you can. You're moving, you know, maybe I don't know what. Um, I, I, I haven't looked at the contract situations for Goodwin or Listella, but those are also pieces where it's like if you get a good offer, you should move him. Andrelton Simmons is a guy who should probably be on the trade market as well. You know, there's a lot they could do, and maybe they wait till the offseason to do some of it because I think, um, and I'm just going to check their contracts real quick. Bundy is the only one who's a free agent next season off the top of my mind. Okay, Simmons is as well. So that's probably a guy you you maybe focus on moving. And LaStella is actually too. So that's three guys right there that they kind of know. Like, if we're going to move three guys this deadline, those are the three it should be. But beyond that, they're free agents next year Julio Tehran and Jason Castro, and I don't really see anyone ponying up for them. So maybe the question of what you do with, say, uh, a Goodwin or an Andrew Haney or guys who are making a little less money 
but are kind of on the, especially, um, you know, Goodwin and Goodwin's 29. Haney is, uh, how old is Andrew Haney? He's 29 as well. They're kind of getting to the older side. And I don't know if, obviously too, that's going to depend on whoever takes over this team next, because you know, you and I are in agreement. Billy Epler's done. You don't survive this. You don't, if the angels had just missed the playoffs, I know we've had this conversation. If they just missed the playoffs, you thought Epler was still a goner. I thought depending on how it happened, he might survive. But you can't do this. You can't finish, you know, with what would be the equivalent of a 100-loss season or worse. I actually, I don't know the math off the top of my head. With Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani and Dylan Bundy putting together a Cy Young caliber season, you don't survive that. And you don't deserve to, honestly. Like, you could argue that Epler probably should have been canned like two years ago. Um, and I think this is this is probably overdue, and I think there's the Angels don't really have another choice. They need to start over with a new front office. Yeah, which, great news for Mike Trout. You love another rebuild in the heart of your prime. You love another... You love that. Uh, yeah, you love to you, see You it. really do. But honestly, part of me just doesn't feel that bad. He could have left. Trout could have left. I, I, look, I, will, I will not hold anything against him for choosing the money, the security... Life in Anaheim, if, if that's in fact where he lives during the season. The comfort and familiarity of a franchise he's always known, that has always had his back, that has always supported him. I can't hold that against him. It's, it makes me deeply sad because the it's not likelihood holding it against is now, him. It's just more of like the reap what you sow type deal. Like if this is the fallout. I suppose. But at, at the same time, like, I don't think this is, I, I think this is something like you have to imagine if you're Mike Trout. You have gotten promises up and down from everyone in Angels management that they yeah. are going to try. And then they did try. They signed Anthony Rendon this offseason. That was one of the biggest moves of the entire of the entire winter. That's that is trying it's just not just trying, but trying in a way this team has not in years in terms of free agency. Not since Pujols. And it just doesn't work. And so at this point, like, yeah, you can be, you know, maybe maybe it is a sense like I do wish you had gone to free agencies eventually so you could have signed with a team that actually knows what it's damn doing. But you also have to imagine that on his end, he has been promised and told that things will improve. And then he saw the kind of big move that actually backs that talk up. And then it still didn't work. And that just makes me sad more than anything. That none of this is Mike Trout. Obviously, none of this is Mike Trout's fault. But that the universe just will not allow this to happen for some reason. It just will not give us Mike Trout on a contending team. And maybe that's because the universe just rejects the entire notion of the Angels being like, one of the AL's best teams, because that is just such a weird thing to imagine. And yes, I remember that World Series win too, but nothing about that felt normal, that's for sure. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap up here. Um, we are stretched for time tonight, yeah. but uh, we we shall see. Billy Epler, you had a good run, sir. Welcome back to the Yankees yeah. front office in some sort of advisory role in, uh, in a year. Yeah, and I know He'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the the I know the big thing right like the big thing right now to everything that's been going on tonight with baseball, which obviously nobody knows where that's going right now. But man, baseball is just in such a weird place right now. Like everything surrounding the sport is so bizarre, and then stuff like tonight happens. It just you know you you know is going to be who knows where it goes. And obviously the NBA is is the bigger side of that story. But man, what a weird year in baseball. We'll leave it there. John, thank you as always, sir. We'll be back next week. My pleasure. Of course. 
Hi, this is Chuck Dowdle of Bulldogs Roundtable, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Be sure to check out Chase's website at chasethomaspodcast.com and follow the Stone Mountain Native on Twitter and Facebook and listen to my show, Bulldog Roundtable, every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 9.30 on 680 The Fan. Have a great Bulldog Day, everybody. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Evan Sowards is here, as he always is. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? As we were talking, it's um, it's crazy times, and I, I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen here. This is all fluid, and all we can do is hope for the best. Hope for change, hope for all the good things in society, I guess, is the the best way I can put it at this point, because there's just so many different moving parts, and it's sad, and it's disappointing, and it's depressing, and you're just like, 2020, one thing after another. Yeah, man. I mean, the one thing I would say is, is that luckily, it sounds like as a whole, um, you know, they're the NBA and LeBron James and all of these players, and especially, you know, I shouldn't even say LeBron James first, but, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, who originally started this today because it happened in their state, um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to make a change and they're doing something uh, by, you know, genuinely, you know, threatening what is their well-being, what is their, you know, notoriety, what is their personal accomplishments and achievements that they've all worked so hard for. And I think, you know, sitting out playoff games is a big deal. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's sad to see all the things that are happening. But I, I really, you know, I, I can really appreciate those guys going out of their way to, like, really try and make something change. Absolutely. Um well, we're going to be talking about the the AFC North tonight. Um, the AFC North, uh, there was a really good piece um, that I read this morning. It was from a couple of days ago from Kevin Clark, the ringer, who wrote about like how we get fooled every year, like how we predict things the wrong way when it comes to who's going to be the, the six teams that make the playoffs that did not make the playoffs a year ago because that's how the NFL works is there is a lot of turnover year after year. There are a couple teams that – um, avoid this. I mean, your San Francisco 49ers were featured in this where like they were talked about going into the season where they had the number two overall pick. And if that does, if that season doesn't fall apart and Jimmy doesn't get hurt and they don't get Bosa, do they have the kind of season they have now? And just all the different injury luck that teams need, all the different draft luck they need and just the right guy and you need the right amount of time. But like how we all got the Cleveland Browns wrong last year. They're on the cover of everything. We just picked assume that freddie kitchens was gonna be fine and just keep this thing moving keep the offense chugging along but their offensive line went from one of the league's best to one of the league's worst and that is something he quoted in the pieces like we overlooked the the brandon brooks and the uh the uh, jason kelsey's of the world and we focus on the skill position talent and we miss the defensive and offensive line talent that's why in his estimation we bet on the wrong teams to break through every year which leads me to the afc north because i think we're 
we should probably start with the Ravens because I think the Ravens are still going to have a bunch of hype coming into this year. It seems very unlikely that they missed the playoffs barring a catastrophic injury to Lamar. Um, what do you think about this Ravens team? Do you think that there is the, what happened last year is sustainable, that this is something where we should just pencil them in as the AFC North favorite, that they're going to be fine. They had a great draft. They, they drafted J.K. Dobbins. They have a bunch of skilled position talent. Their offensive line with Stanley and Brown is solid. Their defense is good, even without Earl Thomas. Like, Should we just assume that everything is great, or is there something that you look at with this Baltimore team that concerns you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, not to equate everything to the 49ers, but it is what I know. Um, and, you know, you look at a team that – is trying to do it the right way and they're trying to build with from in from within and they're trying to care about culture and they're trying to care about winning the right way right you know nothing no crazy uh you know over the top trades or flashy you know signings they sign good players they they'll pay for the earl thomas thomases um but i think what happened with earl is a really good example of why the Ravens are going to be continuing to be very competitive for, you know, probably as long as Lamar Jackson's the quarterback. Um, they have a good culture there. They have a great, you know, organization. They always have, right? You know, they've they were able to kind of reload pretty quickly after that Super Bowl and Joe Flacco, you know, and still become, you know, competitive, even though Joe had never really been the greatest QB. Um, but specifically – Yes. Shout out to Lindsay. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, but really though, speaking, you know, to this team, they have great pieces. You know, they added Calais Campbell. They have Marlon Humphreys, uh, you know, on the defense is obviously just monstrous. And then Lamar Jackson is one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I think losing Earl hurts, but when I think about what they're trying to accomplish, which is make sure that the team's, mental the team's uh, continuity the team's kind of structure they want a positive situation and i think you know there's they're saying hey you know earl's good at football but wasn't good for our team and not a lot of teams do that not a lot of teams are you know willing to make those big you know cuts so i think it says a lot to what they're trying to preserve and keep uh, and, and and what they are trying to preserve and keep is obviously a team that was one of the best teams in the NFL last year. You know, it was they went. You know, the the Chiefs were supposed to be the unstoppable team all throughout the season, and the biggest thing that really happened was you know obviously Pat got Mahomes got injured a little bit, and and the Ravens really took that mantle and just ran with it. So did the 49ers too. Let's let's not forget. Um, but yeah, you know the Ravens. They're going to be great this year. It's going to be fun to watch them. Is Deshaun Elliott their free safety, or do they call Tom Zabikowski to come back? You know, I don't know. Ooh, Jimmy Ward trade maybe? Bring him in? If they they do anything to make the Ravens better, uh, I I would lose my mind. Even Um, if you got Earl Thomas? Yeah, I don't want Earl Thomas. I would rather have. Jimmy I've gone back Ward and forth right on now. this for the last couple of days. Do I want the Falcons to sign Earl Thomas? Um, yeah. Well, here, know. let me say this. As far as that goes, Richard Sherman plays on the 49ers. Richard Sherman has, in his twilight of his career, if you you know, want to call it that, Richard Sherman has 
gotten the, the most out of his you know body. How did we say Twilight, by the way. Let's stop. He was one of the league's best corners. He was a top three corner he, in football. Right, he was. He had the best. Yet. He statistically had the best season he's ever had last year. Right. Like that's why I can't. So, let's not. Let's put some respect. So let me not beat around the bush yeah. and say a bunch of unnecessary words. <laughs> Sherman killed it last year. Him and Earl are obviously very close. I think Earl could come in and do that. But at the end of the day, 49ers are also very big on culture. Not because they breed culture, but because they know what happens when you don't breed culture. You have your fullback, Bruce Miller, beating the shit out of old people. You have Alden Smith threatening bomb in an airport as a joke, right? So not that Earl's that guy, but I think, you know, you when you have a team like the 49ers, that they, they just can't risk that. Same thing as the Ravens. What is the Bruce Miller thing? I don't remember that at all. Bruce Bruce Miller was the Ford, the fullback during the the Jim Harbaugh years, and he got caught. He was drunk one night out partying, and he got into an argument with some old guy in like, like a, uh, you know, in like staircase like uh, hotel area. Okay, and um, he basically punched some 65, 70 year old man in the face. Did not know. Okay. Sure, but yeah, so he got he got cut, and now he actually is. Uh, I don't. He, he just signed with Elderly Home. No, he just he just <laughs> signed with them. But you know, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying though. Like it's culture matters. Um, that it does, but it some teams, it's it's easy to have a good culture when you're winning, and this is something that I read a lot about. It's just it's really easy for the Patriots now to have a good culture. They don't have anything to prove. So when you walk in there, teams will fall, guys will fall in line because. The culture has proven that it works. But if you are starting in year one, year two, and trying to and just put together your own culture, it's a little bit harder for people to buy in if you're not winning. And most teams, when they're starting this rebuild, do not win. And the 49ers deserve credit because they went from the number two pick in the draft to uh, a Super Bowl team <laughs> very quickly. And right. that is a lot easier said than done. A lot of teams try and do this, but I think the culture stuff comes after so- you start winning. Are you saying Joe Judge taking the nameplates off of all the the jerseys and making them run fucking what are the suicide drills yeah. is not is not a way to to build culture? No. Um, also, just going to go ahead and say this: Jason Garrett's going to be the head coach for the Giants for like ten years, starting like mid next year. Just it's just the are you are you saying it's just going to be. The Giants, the Packers, and the Cowboys just rotating yes, shitty head coaches. I am absolutely saying that. There is no awesome. doubt in my mind Jason Garrett's the head coach of the Giants by middle of next year. Joe Judge, already a disaster. Like, that's not going to work. None of that. Is, we've seen this movie before. That team's going to be bad. They're not going to. It's him hiring Jason Garrett, like, sealed his fate anyway. It's like, this dude's going to get this job. Like, why would you hire him? Like, he's going to take over as the interim and then win enough games to get the full-time job, get a four-year extension, and be in New York for the next several years. Um, don't understand that at all, but uh, you do you, Joe Judge. Uh, yeah, I I don't... It, that The culture stuff, it's over the top, but then you look at Brian Flores. He deserves a lot of credit because that team could have tanked last year, and they, they should have been the worst team in football, and... They won way too many games for what they were, and that's because they bought into Flores and what him and Chris Greer are building down there in South Florida. I think is um, similar to what the 49ers are doing, 
and I think they deserve a lot of credit for that, and we'll see what happens with Tua. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy, but they're betting a lot on Austin Jackson, who has to have a good year because the Dolphins had the worst offensive line of football by a considerable margin last year, and if that's the case, and you can't throw Tua out because he's going to break down and he's going to die. So don't do that. <laughs> um, but back to the back to the Ravens. Uh, their draft, too, we have to talk about because Patrick Queen – of course they get him and just lock up their middle linebacker for the next seven years. Um, Malik Harrison, in the third round. So they've got two starters. Out of this. They still have Matt Jadon. They have Pernell McPhee. who's just going to be great forever. Derek Wolf, you drafted uh, another pass rusher in Justin Matabuke. Um, you have Clayus Campbell, as you mentioned, Brandon Williams is still there. They, <sighs> the depth at corner is just silly. Like, Tavon Young, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Anthony Averett. I, like, they just have guys. And the defense is going to be fine with or without Earl. And I think one of the things that people have to realize with the way the NFL has changed is that so many teams, like, think about your team. Where does Nick Bosa line up on different, like, he lines up in different spots. He's not always a three or four technique. He he bounces around. Aaron Donald's in different spots on pass rushing downs. Um, a lot of teams just do hybrid defenses now where, yeah, the nickel is part of it, but, like, you're lining guys up all across the field, and part of the reason that Earl Thomas didn't work out in Baltimore is that he loves to freestyle. And they were like, no, we can, we, we're versatile in our scheme. Wink Martindale is versatile in what he does, but you still have to play within our system. And he's not really, like, a system player anymore, um, as interesting as that may be. But I do, I do wonder how they mask his departure because there's no one on this roster that they can just plug in it's not Deshaun Elliott and I wonder if they move can Jimmy Smith go in there can they drop him back a lot can they find a way to do this in-house and I'm, I'm curious if they get uh, they get interesting because a lot of defenses they do this they do they make the most of what they have as Evans burns down man I live in downtown LA <laughs> if there's one thing for certain you will always hear sirens but anyway, what do you think about that? You know, I think – well, honestly, I, I do agree with everything you just said. Um, I think nowadays what you're looking at in the NFL is a very versatile defense is what is successful, right? Players that can do a lot of different things. You joked earlier about trading Jimmy Ward, but like that's a guy who kind of exists in that plane where he can play nickel corner, he can play free safety, he can, you know, he can do a lot of different things. And the Ravens have done well there, right? They have players that can really play the defense as fast or slow, as hard or soft as you really need to, um, which is obviously why, you know, Lamar Jackson was able to thrive, right? He really got, you know, they, they made his job easy, I guess you could say. So, I definitely um, – I see – like I'm telling you, man, Ravens are going to be a top three team for me next year. I, 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 if, the, if the season happens, I, they're, they're just talent. – they're one of those teams. It happens every couple of years where it's just like every single position you go, yep. And, dude, Lamar Jackson's like seven years old. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, the sky is the limit for that kid in that team. The Cincinnati Bengals. Poor bastards. No, I'm really high on the Bengals, actually. The Bengals, I've always been a big Bengals truther, I guess. I'm a, 
I'm a Bengals optimist. I think they get a weird bad rap a lot of the time. Like I think the Andy Dalton years are very much undervalued. I think there were a lot of really great offenses. I think they draft really well. I think they develop talent really well in Cincinnati. They just don't keep them. Like they they let all their guys go once they get to a certain point. Like Geno Atkins has still been there, but that was a that's a big win for them. Um, he was a fourth rounder, and Geno Atkins has been one of the best defensive linemen of the last ten years. Um, they just develop guys, and I. I am optimistic. I mean, I, I'm a big Joe Burrow guy, obviously, but like, I think Mixon and Bernard is a good Nixon match for him. I think he's going to have a lot of fun with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, I think was a great pick of the second round. If he can stay healthy, you have AJ Green, who's going to just, you would assume have some sort of rebirth and this motivation playing with Joe Burrow. Now, John Ross, if he's ever healthy, he's like the equivalent of Who's y'all's the 49ers equivalent? Well, he gets hurt every what Pettis. He is the Dante Pettis of uh the Cincinnati Bengals. Dante Pettis doesn't get hurt. He just pisses off the coach. Didn't you hear what did he do didn't now? You, didn't you hear? It was a whole I mean, I know you're not like a 49er centric thing, but the story. I love you're like, was, hey, you're not in the minutiae of uh the 49ers. Also, the 49ers don't have any receivers left, allegedly. Well, dude, it's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Excuse my language. I almost just – yeah. But so Dante Pettis comes in, obviously very highly touted from uh, college. Um, essentially, him and Kyle have just not gotten along. Kyle's like trying to be a hard ass with him and Dante's like a – the guy loves photography, loves cats. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's like a L.A. surfer. Like he's just – Strong Kyle s- Kuzma energy. Yeah. I mean really though, he's just a soft-spoken dude. So, you know, Kyle comes into, to, to, you know, Debo Samuel is like, what's up, motherfucker? Let's go play football. <laughs> and Debo's like, fuck yeah, let's go. And then headbutts a walker, right? And, like, that's what Kyle wants. Whereas, like, you can't do that with, with Dante. So, like, they <laughs> didn't get along. And, you know, to the point where, like, literally, like, they just – he wasn't – I mean, he sat – Dante during the Super Bowl. So the the news uh, that just kind of came out is when they interviewed him this year, he's like, yeah, we didn't get along. And a lot of, um, you know, a lot of his criticism I took too personally. And, you know, after the Super Bowl, he's like, when I, when I, when I was sat during the Super Bowl, he's like, that's about as like big of an eye opener as you'll ever get. You know, it doesn't really get much of, you know, much more apparent that you need to change. So he apparently had like this huge offseason, like refocus and shift. And he's looking headbutting great. lockers. He's just headbutting old women, <laughs> lockers, puppies, just everything. Really trying to get that fighter's mentality. No, um, he's just punting puppies off the balcony. Just, just <laughs> as hard as possible. And I love that, that he like he sends the video to Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle's like, "That's what I want to see." There you go. Where has that been? Where's the guy who's been punting puppies? That's what I've been looking for. John Ross, though. John Ross, I will say, because they are two, they're both two obviously Washington Huskies uh, guys. John Ross is one of those guys where it's like, it's just not fair that he keeps getting injured. Like, to me, that was like Devontae Parker or even Kevin White. Yeah. Right. Like, he's one of those. Someone just give him 12, you know, 12 to 16 games a year of health. So we can just see the magic that is John Ross. Like he was one of the most exciting football players in college. He just was insane. Fast, great route runner, could catch. I mean, just a great player. So yeah, you know, 
not to be that guy, but AJ Green's like 40 years old now being like, you can, can doubt you AJ like, Green all you want. AJ Green. No, but I'm saying like, yeah. I'm sure AJ would have loved to have been able to play with a healthy John Ross, you know, like the same way Julio Jones enjoyed playing next to a Muhammad Sanu, right? Like someone that will make his job easier, take the defense off, et cetera, et cetera. My biggest concern with the Bengals, and this is another thing that people forgot about, is that um, Jonah Williams was lost for the season last year before it even got started. And that was the right. first round offensive tackle pick. He's going to start at left tackle, it looks like, this year for the Bengals. If he's healthy, that's a big thing. And a lot of what Joe Burrow needs is uh, a good pass uh, protection. And Jonah Williams is not enough. And that is my biggest concern is I think they have still too many holes in that offensive line. Bobby Hart is not the answer at right tackle. You, I mean, Michael Jordan uh, is actually their left tackle. But the miss on Billy Price. Great basketball player. Really, he's pretty good effort. Um, Billy Price, huge bust. Like, that is a huge, you can't miss on guys like that when you're building out your offensive defensive line. You cannot miss on Billy Price. And they did. Like, Billy Price is one of the worst offensive linemen in football. Um they have Trey Hopkins now starting at center. He is a college free agent. Uh, he's been in the league like six years. Their offensive line is not good. And they did not invest in the offensive line in the draft this year, which I thought was odd. Like, T. Higgins, I think, is going to be good. Logan Wilson, we'll see if he's, like, the new leader of the middle of that defense for the next couple of years. Like, they spent a lot of capital on the defense, and that's about it. Um, that I, I thought it was interesting that they just went – Round one, quarterback, round two, skill position guy and T. Higgins, and then they never addressed the offensive line. But like those skill guys don't matter. T. Higgins does not matter if Joe Burrow does not have time. And I didn't understand why they did not invest more this offseason in offensive line help because I don't think coming into this year they're setting Burrow up for success. But also End of an era. Let's pour one out. Um, I don't know what you have on you, but let's pour one out for my favorite tight end duo that never was. Um, Did you just ask me? Do I don't? You don't know what I have on me? Are you kidding? I, I me? don't. I mean, I'm assuming it's a white claw. Oh, there sure. it is. Okay, <laughs> sure um, is. Tyler Eifert and Mister Cone. Like we, the the guy, the two that I just thought Ooh. or Croft, Mister Croft. Excuse me. Oh, I was like Croft Cone. No. Mr. Yeah, Croft. Croft and Tyler Croft and Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert. The Tylers. The Tylers. Andy Dalton had like a 137 passer rating when he targeted Tyler Croft two years ago. Tyler Eifert, bro, was one of was, was the when best. When he was tight healthy, he was like the, the best tight end in football. He was like George Kittle before George, before George Kittle. Those and then he two got injured. not becoming superstars in Cincinnati. One of the all time just what ifs to me. This is getting really really in the weeds here when it comes to Bengals content. But like if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm really pissed off that Eifert and Croft never were able to just be on the field at the same time for multiple years. Like those two were so good and Dalton had so much comfortability with them. And I, you know, just sad. Tyler Eifert was just a man and he was like going off against the Falcons two years ago um, in, in Atlanta. And that was, that was one game. Can, but, I, can I ask you something yeah. as you continue to parade all these nice <laughs> words, words and thoughts for the Bengals? See, Why you do can you tell like my Bengals stuff teams? is genuine. Say it again. Why do you have such an affinity for shitty teams? I Hold on. The Dolphins, now the <laughs> Bengals. What are we doing here? When you grew up a Falcons fan, it's just part of... Um, you're, you're, like, you're like one of those like... 
girls that likes to fix like shitty guys. Yeah. Like, I don't, like he's going to change for me. Like that's your thing. Is or, that like, what I am? By the, way, by the way. And I mean like guys fixing shitty girls. I, I'm, you know, it could be any, uh, in either way. I'm just, what is this caveat? A, what are you throwing out here? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Like yeah. people got offended. Like, no, like women in an abusive, abusive relationships is not funny. I'm like, I don't know. Well, no, that's I'm just never saying. funny. Yeah, nothing specific. Well, but you we're not saying I'm abusive. Saying, like, we're saying um, <sighs> projects. Yeah, like he doesn't clean his room. Or I mean, that's you know, a real thing. He doesn't Project have a savings, are savings account. <laughs> <laughs> I have you ever been the project guy? What is project guy? The project guy is the person who has to when she her friends ask about him, she has to she pauses and. She, they look at her and they're like, oh no. And they're like, she's like, okay, look. He's in school. He's made some mistakes. He has a lot of debt, but we just have fun together. Yeah. That is the project guy is, she can't really explain why this makes any logical sense, but she's like, basically all she's saying is like, I'm betting on him. Like, yeah, like but, he, he yeah. might get in a fight at a bar for no yeah. reason. You know, his his car is smells really weird. <laughs> he made me pay on the first date. <laughs> yeah, he lost his wallet. Uh, but yes, yes, that is you with shitty football teams. That's your whole shtick. I got it. You're like, of- you're like this. No, this team, they're fixable. With the right, you know, adjustments, Tua is going to save the Dolphins. <laughs> I can't believe I, this is this is big news. I mean, I I had never considered I was just like a, a fixer upper when it came to NFL teams. Yeah, I think so. By the way, I'm gonna grab another white claw. Okay, one. Are you getting up to get a white claw during this podcast? All right, Evan is getting. Uh, I'm leaving all of this in. This is insanity. He. This is a heat check of all heat checks. Power move, Evan. Timestamp it? No, I mean, I'm leaving all that in. I was just talking and about now you back actually to getting... regularly scheduled program. No, I'm literally leaving all that in. That was a power move on your part. You're way too comfortable in this podcast now. <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't even, like, going to think about really even drinking or anything like that. But then you were like, pour one out. And then I got excited, you know. Well, now I can't get up. I'm the one recording this podcast. I can't go up and get a beer right now because I'm... <laughs> Well, you're the host. You're yeah. the professional. It's your podcast. I'm just some asshole. <laughs> but you didn't answer my original question, and then we'll move what on the, to the uh, what was the original the question? Browns. Um, have you been the project guy? Have I been the project guy? Yeah, for someone else. That's a good question. That's actually a really good question. So my therapist says that. I am the guy – I am someone who feels the need to fix people. Mm. So I'm never really the project guy because You're the other person. I, I think I seek out people that need help or healing or you know, I'm like trying to help. I'm the fixer. So I, I, think, I, I think by nature if, if I met someone that also liked to fix people, we'd kind of look at each other and be like, no, no, no. I need your role. You yeah, it wouldn't work probably. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. See, I don't think I've ever been the fixer. But also, too, if you were the one that needed to be fixed, would you even know? Yes. 
<laughs> you're like, yes, yes, my, yes, I, I've been there. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. I have, I have a five year old pair of vans and I refuse like, to buy. I know a hundred percent. Like I didn't know how to use blinds a couple years ago. <laughs> like I'm absolutely that person. I have but been that person. being sheltered though. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's part of, I, there's all kinds of things I can tell you where it's just like, no, I'm clearly the project a hundred percent. Yeah, I am absolutely the project. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you're not. Well, let me say you this. are let me say the this. person who fixes the project. I would like to be the project. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. I've had conversations with people about this. We're like, I want to be the asshole. It's like, nope, sorry. You don't have it in you. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I want someone to, like, fix me, you know? <laughs> like, fix me. Like, help me, like, take care of my life. That would be great. What a That's lot, called you know, a healthy you know relationship is 50-50 where you're just encouraging each other and you're growing together and all yeah that that's what we all I, want i wouldn't know a healthy relationship if it was nick bosa's jersey oh, name no. on the back and oh tackled. no oh no you went there i was dancing around this i was dancing around that subject matter here yeah by the way i know this is about the uh the the division in which consists of the ravens the, the steelers the browns uh but no this is also about my shitty love life <laughs> What is this? What is that? What is that radio show? Loveline? Is that a show? Yeah, I mean it's before our time. I was gonna say I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, but I didn't believe you. What white call did you go with, Evan? Uh, um, so I just grabbed whatever was out of the bat. The new, uh, the new flavors, the, mm. the new case of flavors. It's fire. So what is this? Mango. Which one is this? Mango. Oh, so mango. the new flavors are mango, watermelon, tangerine, and lemon. Watermelon Ooh. and lemon sound terrible. Lemon is probably my favorite. It's oh. actually very, it's refreshing. It's not, yeah. And watermelon tastes, it's like a sweeter one. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like anything watermelon flavored. I normally don't, but it's, trust me, they're all good. They're all very good. Okay. Uh, maybe they'll sponsor the podcast. So shout out to White Claw. Um, which leads us naturally to the Browns, who have a talent on their roster who probably enjoys a good white claw every now and then Odell Beckham. I could see hanging out with a white claw would not surprise me. I can tell you, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's been a long time. He's been in the NFL for a long time, but I have partied with Odell. Really? Yes. Um, when you say, what does this entail? What is, what is the story here? So when I lived in Scottsdale, um, I have like photos with him too. And shit. we used to party. Um, when I, so when I was in Scottsdale, I knew who he was because I was, you know, obviously a big fan of his coming out of LSU. He was training at the Exos training facility there, um, and Old Town where everybody parties. Very, you know, it's very small. The places that everyone goes to, it's very, you know, everyone's gonna be there. So I saw him, and we were at a pool party one day, and he was with some girls, obviously, and I was like. Oh shit! What up, Odell? I was like, "Yo, this is after he just got drafted by the Giants. He hadn't the season hadn't started yet." And I go, "Yo, the 49ers should have drafted you, bro." And he laughed and he's like, "Oh, what's up?" And he's like, "Dude, I know. I told Eric Reed that they need to draft me. I'm what will help them beat the Seahawks." And so, like, that's how we met. And we were just like, you know, just laughing about that. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to like be that guy but i was like hey man it's good to meet you and then you know we kind of talked to each other a little bit but then i ended up just kept seeing him and one night um we had a table and he was with his little brother 
and they were just kind of chilling, like cruising, you know, roaming around. They didn't, you know, they, he just got there, didn't really know anybody. So I was like, yo, it's good to see you, man. Come on over to our table. Let's kick it. And so we just had like a little, like, few weeks uh, before he started training where he would, you know, we'd see each other out and say, what's up? But to your point, or what we were talking about, never drank. Never had a drink. It would hurt the abs. Dude, I mean, obviously that guy's in incredible shape. But yeah, he never, all the times that I saw him, I never saw him drink once. And bro, I tried. I was like, let me buy you a shot. Like, I got you. And he's, nope. Interesting. Huh. That's why, I bet, dude, he's the nicest person on, on earth. And anyone that says a bad thing about him, like, I'll fight him. Okay. There you go. Um, well, a lot of people are targeting themselves into the Browns this year. Um, the Kevin Stefanski hire, they un, they revamped everything, revamped the coaching staff, revamped the front office with Andrew Barry, like Alex Van Pelt, who bounced around and was like the Aaron Rodgers whisperer back then in Green Bay. Uh, people forget. Um, Joe Woods is the DC there now. People have always liked Joe Woods. They have a lot of guys who people just like. And Kevin Stefanski did a really good job in Minnesota the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, the, I can understand why people are talking themselves into them. Like, if, I would bet on Kevin Stefanski more than I would Freddie Kitchens getting this offense back on track. Kareem Hunt's, uh, him and Nick Chubb, maybe the best running back tandem in football this year. Like, Nick Chubb is quietly maybe the best running back in football at this point. Um he has just been super underrated yeah already exactly and when you think about that david njoku austin hooper now signed with them you have baker having a lot to prove you have um jarvis landry odell still in this roster richard higgins who i still really really like um we'll see what happens there um I just we'll see what happens. like jedrick wills they got their left tackle they're trying to fix that because like we said at the top of the show um offensive line fell off and Jack Conklin needs to be better this year. They made a big trade with uh, for Wyatt Teller. They have, I mean, they have guys. They drafted Nick Harris as their center of the future. They still have J.C. Treader. Um, we'll see. Miles Garrett's coming back from suspension. They made a big trade for Olivier Vernon. John Dorsey did a couple years ago, and that hasn't really panned out. But you have Sheldon Richardson there. People forget. I mean, I I like everything on both sides of the ball. I think. They have a strong chip on their shoulder. I don't think they're going to challenge the Ravens, but I do think there is a lot of reasons for optimism out of Cleveland. And I'm sorry, Cleveland fans, for getting you excited about this team again, but like, I don't think they're in contention with the the highest of the highs in the AFC. But like, if you were to tell me this team could um, bounce back, the offensive line could get somewhere in the 12 to 13 range, the offense and offensive DVOA could get somewhere around 9 or 10. They're super efficient. They run the ball down people's throats. It opens up the play action. and Odell has a bounce back here with a lot to prove. Jarvis is a monster. And then Denzel Ward becomes like one of the best corners in football. Like all of these things I could see happening. Um, we'll see what Greedy Williams looks like because Greedy was a big pick for them last year and he did not do a lot. So, I mean, they have a lot of reasons for optimism. Greedy was it, kind of a weird pick, wasn't it? really it? was because it was a bad schematic fit. I remember reading PFF at the time. They were like, "This he's a good player, but he doesn't fit what they're trying to do. But guess what? Joe Woods is now running this defense. It's a, defensive, a different defensive mind running things. And Joe Woods has a background in the secondary. Like, that's his bread and butter is the secondary. So, if anyone's going to get anything out of uh, Greedy, 
and Denzel this year. I think it's that. And Carl Joseph is like Mr. Sturdy. Like he's always been like steady average wherever he's been. And I feel like he was in Oakland for forever. But um, yeah, it, is this fair? Are you, are you buying the Browns in 2020? How can I? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, Odell. Might let me, let me, but let me say this. As a guy who is incredibly, you know, who thinks I, I still think Odell Beckham at any given point can be the best receiver in the NFL. I'm not saying he is, you know, I say, I'm saying he has that potential, you know, in a, in a good situation, he can be that. Um, I think Nick Chubb's incredible. Miles Garrett, big giant piece of shit, but obviously, uh, you know, incredibly talented. Um, there's so many things to like on the Browns, but there was so many things to like last year. And last year happened. Should they have hired Kevin Stefanski last year? Probably. Um, you know, they sure shit shouldn't have hired Freddie Kitchens. Uh, so this is one of those teams where, and I think it happens a lot more than we kind of really acknowledge, uh, where I'm not going to give them any kind of like hype or positive, you know, like I'm not going to say, oh, they're going to go make the playoffs. Like I, it's not that I don't think they could. It's just that, we can't we can't talk about that anymore. We have to just see it. You know what I'm saying? Like the Browns, especially. It, I mean, the the Browns are the penultimate team in all of sports, where it's like no more talking about what might happen this year. You know, the Browns have been trash for 17 decades. We just have to see it. So I can acknowledge that there's so many good things on the team. I don't know what I think about Baker Mayfield. I don't know what you think about Baker Mayfield. I mean, I Those can't are, quit him. I'm I'm still a Baker guy for sure. And, you know, and I think, you know, just like you're a Tua guy, you know, you like these exciting football players from these power colleges and I get it. Uh-huh. But my thing is, is like, hold on. I, I shared uh, Mr. Timmy Chang this week on the Instagram story with did, Colt Brennan did, last week. Hold on. I'm shout, not, out uh, Colt, shout, out, shout out to Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan's the coolest college quarterback of all time. One of. No, no, no. Um, it, it's not even debatable. He's the coolest college quarterback of all time. Like the visor, the towel. The way he played, the slingshot arm. No, it, it's Colt Brennan. It's, it's no, for sure. I, I like I said, you you're not going to hear me argue that. Um, but Baker, you can have your Dennis the, Dixon. Ba- oh, shout out to the homie Dennis. Uh, <laughs> Baker is one of those guys. Um, you know, he comes in, he breaks the rookie touchdown record mm-hmm. with missing the first couple games because his coach started Tyrod Taylor. Um, so you know what I'm saying, like. You see that and you're like, okay, finally, let's go. And then he just has a horrible year. And he had Odell Beckham, right? He had a better supporting cast. Nick Chubb, one of the, the best running backs in the NFL. Bad, I'm not going to, you know, Joe Thomas leaving is never going to be easy. I'm not going to lie. But I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying that I think they're going to be bad this year, but I am saying that's why I have to go. I'm going to wait and see. Yeah. You know? And I think it will do them good to not be on the cover of SI, to not be in the limelight, to not have that Eagles dream team type feel with Odell. And, and they can just they can just do their thing. They can run that Shanahan scheme, which like a third of the league is now running, it seems like. Um, what quarterbacks don't thrive in this system, though? Like, they're all fine. The offensive lines get better, right? Like, is there someone in this league right now who has not excelled under the Shanahan zone scheme in the last five years quarterback yeah who's not uh, brian, well? <laughs> brian hoyer brian hoyer yeah brian, Wait, who hoyer. Was brian hoyer what scheme was he in 
Kyle Shanahan's. When? 49ers. What year was this? When that was Brian Hoyer? Uh, th- he signed the deal with the Colts. Was this three Brian years Hoyer ago? Was his... No, Brian Hoyer was the first quarterback that Kyle Shanahan had. Remember, he didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. That's right. He didn't draft Deshaun Watson. On, he signed Brian Hoyer to be a stopgap because he thought he was going to sign Kyle or Kirk Cousins. That's fact, by the way. That's not even that's not even like rumor. Kyle has acknowledged that that he didn't draft Mahomes or Watson because he thought Brian Hoyer could hold the offensive offense over. The team wasn't strong enough, anyways, where they didn't feel they could just go draft a quarterback. So many holes, which is a fair argument, that they were going to wait for Kirk Cousins. Do you know who Kyle Shanahan would have loved that he'll never have the opportunity to coach? Who? Jeff Garcia. Oh, dude. Dude, he uh, would have uh, died for Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia is uh, his yeah. dude. Oh, absolutely. We we, uh, we in the 49ers land talk about that all the time. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I could see Mitch Trubisky once he gets cut landing in San Francisco, too. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> if Mitch Trubisky, like, even tried... To come for a workout, you just say COVID's over. I'm at SFO waiting, like Dikembe Mutombo blocking that shit. <laughs> just finger out. No, no, no. No way. I'm looking Keep at that guy. Boyer in the black. What did you think about the 49ers all black with the, the gold? They're kind of fire. Loved I kind of like it. Them. But I loved it, but I would have wanted the helmet to be black. Yeah, too. it's kind of awkward without the helmet. But they also have perfect uniforms, so it's hard to. But lo- let me say this I love the black. Mm-hmm. The white ones that they came out with this year, best uniform in football, period. Okay. Period. The Browns win how many games this fall? I think I think we're, you know, we're not. Let me say this. If they win 10, everyone in Cleveland should be jumping up in the air and clapping. Stefanski, it's a statue. Right, 100%. I think nine is respectable. Um, you know, obviously, to your point, the offensive line really kind of not only – holds a lot of the weight for the quarterback but also for the season right so we kind of got to see there um you know they've got some injury scares it's kind of a lot weird you know a lot of weird stuff going on is is odell going to be odell um so i think nine wins is like a really respectable thing but i also could see another seven win season because it's the browns anything can happen when it comes to bad things yeah I think I'm betting on eight and eight, and I would not be surprised if it's nine. I right. don't think they're going to get to ten. I don't think they have enough talent to get to ten. But um, I think eight and eight, nine and seven is a huge win for them, and I think that's a possibility. Um, the last team, the team that I cannot get a read on more than anybody else, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Slim Ben, have you a, heard? Mm. Have you heard? the The internet has been scoured with articles and tweets about how. Big Ben's comeback season is here. <laughs> I mean, if he is, because if you look at the AFC, the AFC we know the last 20 years has been dominated by three quarterbacks, right? Ben yep. Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. It's just been those three alternating. It's now Pat Mahomes conference. It's now maybe Lamar. We'll see. For sure, Pat Mahomes conference for the next 10 years. However, Jimmy, it's yeah, not yeah. just going to be just him. There's going to be someone else, but also, you know, it's not going to be Mason Rudolph. We can go ahead and pencil that one in. It's not going to be Mason Rudolph. But 
Deontay Johnson was getting some AB comparisons last year. Like, so coming out, out of Toledo. Like, he's really so good. Chase Claypool is a sneaky great pick, and I think he's going to be a, an amazing red zone weapon for them. James Washington still just so hit or miss. I don't know what to think about him. Juju, we know is great. Eric Ebron is, was a really underrated thing for them. I think he's going to be really good. They have. So I'm excited much- about him. Eric, right. What Eric, Eric did is so freaking underrated what he did when he got when he got to get away from that team that drafted him i i love everything about this team one thing that really concerns me though would you like to guess where mike munchak is no longer the offensive line coach pittsburgh he is now in denver yeah he's now in denver he's really good dante scarmecchia obviously the goat but I would be nervous if I'm a Steelers fan because this offensive line has been great and it's been wasted on bad quarterbacks and Roethlisberger getting hurt. Now you, st- I mean, you still have Pouncey, you still have Villanueva, you still have David DeCastro. That's great. We'll see if the offensive line is still performing at a top five, top ten level. I think if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy for one more run for 16 games, yes, they should be a playoff team. They should be a contender. There's enough skill talent around this roster, and that defense is back to being what it was 10 years ago they have finally rebuilt that defense i mean terrell edmonds is good minka fitzpatrick is probably going to be just an all-timer in pittsburgh joe hayden solid but dupree is just like sure whatever tj watt has really figured things out there devin bush jr was still a great pick and we kind of forgot all about that we love cameron hayward and those guys like that defense is solid top to bottom and if they have a top 10 defensive DVOA season, which I would probably bet on. and if You know what they do? You know why they do? Why? Who did they trade for last year? Make it Fitzpatrick. One of the best defensive backs in the entire NFL. They gave them a lot of shit. And Pittsburgh deserves a lot of credit because people were like, oh, how do you give it that first round pick? Blah, blah, blah. But like, this is why. They now have a guy who is uh, going to be a Pittsburgh like lifer in his prime. Did, did and- you see him play the 49ers? Uh, did not. One of his first games was, I think, week two of the season. It was like the week. It was, I think, the week that they traded for him. So whatever week that was, they played the 49ers. He single-handedly kept the Steelers in that game and almost won the game for them. He immediately was a force, and he's going to be so good for so long. And I do think he's going to have the same kind of Earl Thomas-esque uh, existence for the Steelers that uh, Earl had on the Seahawks for sure. I think that's fair, and they just have guys all over the place. And if that offensive line stays fine without Munchak for a year, and if Ben Roethlisberger plays for solid sixteen games, so Paxton Lynch doesn't have to come in there. Um, I, I think they can contend. I really do, and I think anything less than nine or ten wins with sixteen games of Ben would be a shock to me. What about you? I think Ben's washed. Mm. I don't care. I don't care about his injuries. I don't care that he could shave the beard. I don't care that it, you know, Antonio Brown actually is psychotic. Um, I still think Ben's washed. I think Ben was one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL for a very long time. And I think what he did when he won two Super Bowls that quick is pretty damn impressive. I think Ben's washed. I also think Ben has a really shitty attitude for an older quarterback in the NFL. 
And I don't think it's the type of attitude that really screams, I'm going to try hard and come back. I don't think that. I think he's an arrogant guy that is always kind of really existed off his talent, um, which he has a shit ton of. And I don't think it's going to be as easy, readily available this year as it used to be. So unless we get old Ben, which I don't think we're going to, I see them winning seven, eight. I think, you know, I think this entire division is literally going to be like fighting for second and third place because of they're all having the same record other than obviously the Ravens. If you had to bet on one of the two this fall, who would you bet on the Steelers or the Browns? Who is more likely to make the playoffs? as the second team in the AFC. That's hard, but you know, I'm going to I'm going to go with talent and youth and I'll go Browns. Like Browns have like, you know, a a century of bad luck and, you know, voodoo curses, but I don't know, man. The Steelers are not too far away from a rebuild. I don't think they are. I I don't think they're going to rebuild. I think that no there's so much team no team in the history of the NFL has ever lost that good of a quarterback and just gotten right back into it. And you can't say the Ravens because I mean, Flacco wasn't good. No, the Packers did it with... Uh, the Colts did it. The Colts didn't do it. Yeah, they did. Who? What do you mean Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning? Andrew Luck played like four games. No, you have to no, include them. You do you not have to get include to include them. No, 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 no. I said rebuild as a team, not get a really good quarterback that never plays. <laughs> well, he did. And he, he went to an AFC title game. Like, yeah. They, they were able to transition. That was for one season. That's not a transition. That's mm-hmm. having one good season. If he was healthy, that still. Yeah. If he was healthy, yes. There's a lot of teams and a lot of players that would make a lot of different conversations if we used. If they were healthy. Byron Leftwich to Matt is, Ryan. Bro, don't ever <laughs> bring up Byron Leftwich ever again. I, does he Jerry still play Harrington. for the Steelers, by the way? Does he still play for the Steelers? He, is he, he still off, there? He is calling Tom Brady's plays this fall. Dude, he was a backup for the Steelers for so long. He, but anyways. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, yeah. it's not as likely, but... I, I think that if I had to bet on the, what happens with the Steelers, I think they're going to go the route of Casey, where I think they're going to find a stopgap. They're going to find their Alex Smith, and then this they're going to win a lot of games because they still have a bunch of talent around them. They're not going to do the full rebuild. They have too much young talent, and I think that they're just going to they're re, they're going to reload, not rebuild. And I think they'll they'll be the team that like trades up for a surprise quarterback in a year or two. Would be my guess. Yeah, and probably. Be fine. I'm not betting against the Steelers' infrastructure. They Mike Tomlin in that group, they know what they're doing. Um, all right. Final predictions. One through four, go. And then we're we're good. That so for me this really is hard because I mean I don't think that the Bengals are gonna have the Bengals could be exciting. You know, Joe Burrow is one of those guys where he's like they got enough, you know attitude where he could really make it happen um but i think the the Bengals, if they win six games <coughs> excuse me if they win six games that's a you know pretty good jump uh so the the Bengals would be last but the browns and the steelers are going to be so weird the browns can win 10 games the steelers 
less likely, but still could win 10 games. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air. But I'm going to say the Browns have a better year. So we'll go Bengals, uh, Browns, or excuse me, Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Ravens. And the Ravens are going to win like 12 or 13 games like the 49ers. I say, like, I'm betting on the Ravens too. I think they win the division. Um, I also think the Steelers finish second. And then, but I also will go ahead and say either the Steelers or the Browns have the season from hell. And the Bengals somehow finish third. I think Joe Burrow's that good where he's going to win a little bit too many games. He's going to go 6-10, and 5-11 and 11 or something like that. And then the team where everything implodes and it just goes the wrong way with injuries and everything else falls below them. I don't I, – I think the Bengals sneak into the third spot. No if it wasn't for the yeah. Ravens, this would be as boring of a division as the Dolphins division. this is a boring division. This is exciting. These four teams it's, are going to be close in a year or two. In a year or two, yes. I'm talking about next year, for sure, for sure. Joe Burrow I, makes this an interesting division. I 100% agree. I, I cannot deny. Joe Burrow is what people wanted Baker to be, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he really is that swag, cool factor, absolutely no fear, because he's never not been a badass in his entire, entire life. So, 100%, I think the Bengals just drafted one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade. I'm very excited to watch him play. But next year, there's a lot of fixing to do, and the the Ravens are so far ahead of everyone. It's also probably the last year of Ben. This year should have been the last year of Ben, but we'll, that's we'll neither here nor there. Exactly, exactly. Evan Sowards, always a pleasure, sir. I appreciate the time. We will be back next week with the what do we do? AFC South or AFC? We have to do AFC. We have to do the AFC South okay. last. Considering that's your baby. <laughs> Wait, why is that my baby? Well, I mean, we'll have to do the AFC South and then the NFC West. So then what are we – so we're doing – Wait, we already did the AFC no, – Excuse me. No, no, no. Sorry. So not the AFC South. Yeah, um, we'll do the AFC West next week. NFC South. That is my baby, yes. Yes. Sorry. Wrong, um, wrong, wrong side of the coin. I was like – We'll what? have to do our two divisions last. Right. Um, I can do AFC South next week. Get ready for the – Texans optimistic takes. The Texans are just... They're winning the division next year. They're trying to be... No, they're not. The Titans are going to win the division. Deshaun Watson has not won less than 10 games yet in the NFL. Why it's are we not doing about, this? It's not about Deshaun Watson. It is it's because he's not, Bill he plays 16 games. He's not losing that division. What are we doing? If, if he, Deshaun Watson had a coach that literally, literally was just a magic eight ball, and that was all it did, you would be better than Bill O'Brien. I'm not disagreeing that Bill O'Brien is not a good coach. I they am saying will that Deshaun Watson is better than the sum of his parts, and that this group it doesn't matter. Bill, like he's going to win the division. This I love is his division. Hey, once again, Deshaun Watson is one of my favorite quarterbacks. I think he's the most. I've had this conversation with people. I think he's the most underrated quarterback in football right now. I really do. Eh, I don't think he's underrated though. I think people legitimately fucking love Deshaun Watson. He just ha- he got injured. He is when he plays that guy. I, I just. But you also let, not, let's save this for next yeah, week. Yeah, we, we will. Have to remember that he's missing someone this time around. Yeah. Guess what? Got Brandon Cooks. Gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're off. <laughs> this has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. 
As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.